What's the difference between leptin resistance and insulin resistance? And what is the main thing about leptin resistance that nobody in the health space is talking about? I'm going to cover that today and so much more. So stay tuned. Welcome back. My name is Sarah. This is the Sarah Kleiner Wellness YouTube channel and the Evolving Wellness Podcast. I'm actually going to post this on both platforms. This is a live stream I did today over on Instagram. Today is in November the 28th. And there was just a lot of information in here that I wanted to share on these easier to listen platforms. I think the Instagram platform has a lot of limitations when you want to listen to a longer form conversation. So I just did a pop-up Q&A and wanted to post it here on YouTube as well as on the audio-only podcast. Now, I am doing a Black Friday Cyber Monday sale, and I'm going to put the link in the show notes. If you're on YouTube, they'll be in the pinned comment and the show notes, but you can save up to 60% off of my courses. This is going to go through the end of this week. So if you have been eyeing a course or thinking about getting one for someone as a gift, right now is going to be the lowest prices of the entire year. And I also have a ton of free resources that I mentioned several times in the live stream as well, because I do want to make this information accessible to everyone. I think I have five free eBooks now at this time on my website, www.sarahkleinerwellness.com. So if you're new and you just want to st get started on this information, then please check out those free ebooks. And I also have a leptin resistance quiz that I will link in the show notes and as well in the pinned comment on YouTube. If you listen to this and you're like, this kind of resonates and I would like to know if I actually am leptin resistant. So that a quiz is a really great place to get started. And then I also will send you some more videos and information with your results. So I hope that you enjoy this live stream replay. And again, if you are interested in any of my courses or my offerings, they are at the lowest prices that they will be the entire year for another calendar year. So make sure to check those out and let's go ahead and jump into the chat. Thank you for listening or watching. Hope you're having a great day. Um, I'm not sure if you can hear me. Hopefully you can. I'm using a little microphone to make sure. Um, so I'll wait for some people to come on before I start talking. Um, but if you can't hear me, let me know in the comments. Just uh, <laughs> I'm using a little microphone here. So I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, leptin resistance versus insulin resistance because it's a question I've been getting a lot. All right, I got some thumbs up. So good. Trying to enhance my sound a little bit here. Hi, Laura. Hello, everyone. Happy Tuesday after Thanksgiving, by the way. I don't know about you guys, but yesterday I was just kind of in this daze, like what just happened? <laughs> a week of holidays and kids running everywhere and people, it was just a lot going on. So I hope everyone's settling into the week and having a fantastic day. Yay, I'm so glad everyone can hear me. Thank you everyone for letting me know and good morning. Again, happy Tuesday after Thanksgiving. I think all of us are trying to <laughs> get it back together. Um, hello from Saudi Arabia. And uh, yeah, just get back on track after, after a busy Thanksgiving week. So again, this is a question I get a lot about leptin resistance versus insulin resistance. And before I jump into this, I want to let everyone know I am extending my Black Friday sale um, a couple more days. So if you have gotten your email inbox full of buy this, buy this, and you missed the fact that my courses are on sale up to 60% off. There is a link in my bio, it's the top link, and I have a whole sale going on on all my courses, all the stuff that I talk about. But I always love to put out as much free content as possible. So I do have a podcast and a YouTube channel where I regularly post um, videos and interviews to, again, just try to put out a lot of free stuff too. But if you have been thinking about getting one of my courses, they are all on sale right now, up to 60% off. I'm extending that sale a couple more days. So head to the link in my bio, or if you're watching this on YouTube, cause I'm gonna post it there, there'll be a little link um, in the pinned comment. So if someone wants to know, is there a way to test data wise if you're leptin resistant? So typically I go by symptoms, right? So if somebody is, um, and you can be, you're leptin resistant before you're insulin resistant. So that is the big thing I think people don't understand. And you, you're going to treat leptin resistance 
similarly to insulin resistance, but there are a few caveats in how I treat people um, differently, right? Um, if you're insulin resistant, you're already leptin resistant by default, but this is what happened to me and happens to a lot of clients that I've worked with that they're like, I've done my fasting insulin, uh, my A1C, you know, I'm not diabetic, right? I'm not insulin resistant. My A1C is like, you know, low fives. It's not like even 5.6, 5.7, where you're kind of that borderline pre-diabetic. Um, Oh, so many kind comments. <laughs> my skincare, I use Fancy Farm. That's it. I use water and Fancy Farm. I'm such a plain Jane. I don't have an extensive skincare um, protocol. Yes, and I can talk about cortisol and insulin. Absolutely. Um, but let me get through this first part here. So a lot of people come to me and they are like, I, I don't, I'm not pre-diabetic. My doctor says I'm not pre-diabetic. I'm not insulin resistant. My insulin, my fasting insulin is not high. However, I have... Um, you know, 20 extra pounds I just can't lose and I'm super frustrated by it. Um, I've got like kind of these borderline symptoms, but again, I don't qualify as somebody who's insulin resistant. And that weight that you can't lose, that stubborn weight and just feeling like you have a slow metabolism is a hallmark symptom of leptin resistance. Now, someone asked right away, is there a test, like a, a lab test I can do for, for leptin resistance? There is. 90% um, of the time, the lab marker is gonna show something that's too high. Most of the time it's gonna be too high. Sometimes it'll be too low. If you have a history of chronic dieting, chronic fasting, chronic restriction, um, you can be overweight and have really low leptin. That's what happens to all the biggest loser people. That's why they gain all the weight back is because they, do these crazy extreme diets and they lose the weight, but then their leptin is so super, super low that their body thinks that they're starving all the time. So leptin is basically, I like to call it um, the accountant that talks to your brain and tells your brain how much stored energy that your body has on it. And this is supposed to happen every night between 12 o'clock and two o'clock. So this is something that's supposed to happen every single night. So a lot of people, like 88% of people are in that metabolically unhealthy category and kind of pre-diabetic and already like towards insulin resistance. But a lot of people are leptin resistant, which again happens before you get down that path. So I think, I mean, up to 90% plus people could have some sort of leptin resistance. And so that's why circadian rhythms and circadian health is super, super important because if this exchange of, hey, you know, leptin docking to your brain at night between 12 and two every night, if it doesn't happen, your body literally doesn't have any idea of how much stored energy is actually there. Um, low leptin is leptin resistant, high leptin is leptin resistant. There's like a, a, a sweet spot, there's a range that I like people in. So again, if your leptin's too low, your body has no idea how much stored energy it has on it. If your leptin's too high, same thing. And so this is going to create issues with uh, thyroid, it's gonna create issues with sex hormones. There, if you go to PubMed now, cause I, I post studies all the time on this page. I post studies all the time under YouTube videos and people are always like, show me the studies. It's very easy to find this information if you go to PubMed. So I've posted a ton of stories if you search through a lot of my old posts and videos, but you can just go into PubMed, type in leptin and PCOS, type in leptin and hot flashes, type in leptin and weight loss resistance, leptin and infertility. That's what got me interested in leptin resistance is that I was trying to have a baby and I kept on having all these issues, getting pregnant and staying pregnant. And that was when I met Dr. Jack Cruz and he was like, you have got to start studying leptin. It's a, it's a master circadian signaling hormone. And this is the other thing about leptin. If you go and just look on Google, no one talks about the fact that the, circa the circadian piece, there's like, here's the diet for leptin, which most of those diets I think are <laughs> crap anyway um but they'll be like here's a diet for leptin here's a supplement for leptin here's this for leptin and i'm like that is if your circadian rhythms are jacked up from what i just said right leptin docks to your brain to the hypothalamus at night when you sleep right in that 12 to 2 window for most people if that's not happening 
you're going to be leptin resistant. You're going to have a leptin issue and your appetite is not going to be accurate. The energy output that your body puts out there, your thyroid can be messed up. A lot of people will have really high reverse T3 if you want to look at labs. Um, but again, you can get a, a blood serum leptin test if you really need to know. But I, 90% of people that I work with don't even do the test. They, they start just doing the work because they're like, I have these symptoms. I'm overweight and I can't lose weight. I'm not necessarily insulin resistant, but I've got this stubborn weight. I've got these hormone issues. I don't feel my best. My appetite is all over the place. My energy is all over the place. And so I'm like, you know what? It's not gonna hurt you to just start the lifestyle things to fix this. And the number one thing that nobody talks about in you know in the if you go on google and look at leptin nobody talks about the fact that it's a circadian hormone which by the way all of your hormones are circadian all of your hormones are supposed to release at specific times of the day believe it or not in conjunction with the amount of blue light that is available in the sky so everyone demonizes blue light but the perfect amount and blend of blue and red is available at sunrise that starts to turn on the hpa and hpg axis kind of activates that and it tells your body start you know turn off melatonin start making the appropriate amount of cortisol so this is one of the big things that most people are not doing um, will a serum leptin level even be useful considering both high and low leptin can mean resistance? I mean, again, it's one of those things, if you're having all the symptoms, you can go and get the blood test. Um, if you have really, really low leptin, right, but you're still overweight, then that's somebody that I'm going to say, you know, I don't want you um, overstressing your body. That really, really low leptin is more correlated with like super low, low, low hormones. And we have to be really careful um, with, you know, just not overstressing the body. Um, so, yeah, if you're, yeah. So, yes, you should be sleeping before midnight, ideally. And I know not, I mean, I know people have odd schedules and they can't always get to sleep at that perfect time. But you really, really want your body to be deep into um, making melatonin. Melatonin is, a, again, a circadian hormone. Um, pineal melatonin, because we make melatonin actually during the day, subcellular melatonin in response to near-infrared light, which is kind of like um, it does clean up work during the day. So people, a lot of people don't understand melatonin. Um, but yeah, the, there's, um, you really, really do want to um, be sleeping before midnight. It's, it's very, very important. Um, hypothyroid, I mean, I would say for most people that have a thyroid issue, there is a leptin issue also. Um, so absolutely, yes. And someone says, um, I have a class on leptin. I do. It's a 21-day leptin reset. It's uh, if you go to the top link in my bio, it's under my Black Friday sales, and that's basically what my, a lot of my courses are just built around that. So I've got a, a Black Friday sale going on right now, up to 60% off um, of the courses. So, see. so taking melatonin would then disrupt, disrupt people's ability to regulate it during the day? Not necessarily. So melatonin supplementation is one of those things that gets a lot of there's a lot of like polarizing views on it and my partner Carrie Bennett and I did a really good podcast on our podcast called quantum conversations there's a link to quantum conversations podcast in my bio um, I really encourage anyone who's curious about melatonin supplementation and melatonin in general to check that out um, because yeah because um there there's a lot of nuance around that topic and russell Ryder is one of the world's leading researchers and experts on melatonin and he has some really interesting stuff so um i'm not a fan of taking melatonin uh as a as a long-term thing absolutely not your body has the ability to make it endogenously and yes we make less melatonin as we get older but a lot of these studies we don't know if these people we i'm gonna be willing to bet the bank that the people in these studies are not doing the circadian stuff. They're not getting out for sunrise. They're not getting out for UVA. UVA light is actually when our body synthesizes um, serotonin, which gets turned into that night's pineal melatonin. So if you can spend as much time in that UVA light as humanly possible, then you are going to have a, a much better production of melatonin at night and also wearing the blue blockers at night is super, super important. 
Um, how long can you be leptin resistant before insulin resistant years? Absolutely years, absolutely. It's, it, you know, and a lot of people have been leptin resistant for years and years and years. And they're just like, this is just how I am. This is just my body. And it's like, no, your, your body is literally not getting the correct signals. And let's see, what if you are already insulin resistant? If you're already insulin resistant, you're leptin resistant by default. Um, you are, are, you're already there. Um, but a lot of people just have this issue with leptin resistant and they don't go to full blown insulin resistant for years. It's like a, it's a low lying thing. It's kind of like being pre pre diabetic or even being pre diabetic, which, you know, a lot of doctors are like, when I went, when I was leptin resistant, um, I was going through trying to get pregnant with my son and doing everything under the sun. I'm like, you know, I, all my labs look quote unquote okay, like nothing crazy. Uh, no one tested my leptin, no one even mentioned my leptin, even though, again, if you go on PubMed and you search leptin and fertility, poof, studies, 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 right? This has been, it's, it's out there. Um, same thing with leptin and hot flashes, same thing with leptin and PCOS, like boom, tons of studies on PubMed about this. But again, the medical uh, community doctors are really, really far behind on, and even functional medicine doctors are really far behind on talking about leptin. Uh, but if people would start to understand it and implement some really simple things like circadian rhythms, meal timing, uh, adequate bioavailable protein, I think it wouldn't be such a big issue. I mean, it, it does take discipline. But for me, I just was obsessed with leptin and understanding it and learning about it because I was spending all my money and time and like emotional energy trying to get pregnant and nothing was working, right? I did all the supplements. I did, I mean, you name it, I was trying it. Anything in the functional medicine world, I was spending like CoQ10 and NMN and um, NAD and forget it. Like I, I was trying all this stuff. And then it wasn't until again, I met Dr. Jack Cruz, had the opportunity to talk to him and just kind of laid it out for him. I was like, this is what I'm going through right now. And he was like, you need to understand the hormone leptin. It's a hormone. It's a circadian hormone. Um, just like all of your hormones are circadian. Um, so the first thing I tell people, if you do have hormone imbalance, it's really, really, really important to get the circadian aspect in place. Because again, like I said, sunrise body says, all right, let's stop, turn off melatonin, start turning on appropriate amount of cortisol and pregnenolone. These hormones are gonna get cleaved into your sex hormones. That usually happens in that UVA window. Um, and then serotonin, which gets converted into that night's melatonin. All these things are so super important, right? And there's appetite, uh, Palm C actually is also cleaved during that time, which is an amazing appetite regulator. So a lot of people don't understand like this, you know, this relationship between the circadian rhythms and leptin resistant and just hormone balance in general, because it seems too simple to be true. And that's where, that's where I was, you know, I always tell the story of, um, in 2019 kind of having this like moment where I'm like, Oh my gosh, everything is, I'm having joint pain. I'm having IBS. I'm having like all these digestive issues and what the heck is wrong with me. And, uh, my doctor's just like, Oh, this is just a normal part of aging. You're almost 40, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, I, my friend, um, a friend of mine who's a functional medicine doctor said, Hey, I could just run all your labs for you and, and, you know, look at stuff, it's, but it's going to be expensive. Why don't you try circadian routines? She mentioned the circadian routines and try an elimination diet, which was the carnivore diet. And what I, what my brain heard was, um, that sun stuff is stupid. I'm just going to do the diet, right? Which is where most people go. When I start talking about leptin resistance, everybody wants to know the diet and there is a better way and a nutritional approach to leptin resistance that I have found that really works for people. But when you dial in the circadian piece and when you dial in just the outdoor time, the grounding, the sun exposure, all of that stuff, the food stuff is just kind of like, okay, yeah, this is just one thing. Um, and I've, I've learned that over the last couple of years, like 
very intimately. Um, actually, the last three years I've learned that. Um, so everyone wants to know the diet and what diet to do. And I made that mistake um, of just wanting to do diet. And I did get some help. I did get some relief from some of those issues I was having with my skin and my gut. But I got to that point where I wanted to start getting pregnant. Couldn't get pregnant. Couldn't, couldn't hold a pregnancy. Um, and so I ha that's what led me to study these hormones, right? And so, yeah, you can absolutely be leptin resistant, but not yet insulin resistant. And if you are insulin resistant, you are leptin resistant. Now, if you look on, you know, the internet and you look around Instagram, people will talk about ways to actually um, cure insulin resistance. And it's a lot of um, fasting, uh, a lot of, um, you know, zero, no carb, low carb, which I think those things are very helpful tools. But if you're super, super, um, if you're leptin resistant, right, the, the signal between your brain and your body fat is not happening. So there's, there's no communication pathway going on there. So if you do a lot of fasting to get rid of leptin resistance, it can actually backfire and it can create a low leptin situation. And then the whole vicious cycle starts again. So that's what happened to me when I was doing um, really strict carnivore is that I was told, you know, you need to just do this diet harder, do it more and um, do more fasting, more intermittent fasting. And slowly my, bl my blood glucose was, my fasting glucose was going up every morning. That's a sign of elevated cortisol because um, someone asked me to talk about the relationship between cortisol, how all that plays in here. So I was doing all these things and it was stressing out my body more. I was trying to hit, you know, 20,000 steps a day. I was trying to do high intensity interval training workouts, all the stuff. They're like, do this for insulin resistance. Do this, you know, I was trying it all and my body was becoming more inflamed and it was kind of just like fighting back more. And I see this a lot more with women, especially women over 35. Um, it's just during that perimenopause, menopause time, your body is much more sensitive. But I also see it in men, right? Who men can get away with like skipping breakfast and um, one meal a day and things like that for a lot longer than women can. Because, um, you know, you guys know this, I hope male hormones kind of run on this 24-hour cycle. Female hormones, even if you're menopausal, believe it or not, run on this 28-day hormonal cycle. So again, you know, our bodies are different. We can't fast exactly the same. We can't do things exactly the same way. You're, a male body can kind of handle a, a bit more stress when it comes to fasting, cold therapy, that sort of thing than a female body can. Are these are fasting and cold therapy things that people should never do, women should never do? I don't think so. I actually think it can be detrimental if a woman completely goes the other way and is eating six meals a day and you know doing like this. I've, I've, I have had a ton of people since the kind of um, the repeat things gotten really popular. Lots of people have come to me over the last couple of years. Like I did this like pro metabolic thing to heal my thyroid and to heal my hormones. And I gained 30 pounds or more. I've actually had one woman that she gained 90 pounds doing this. Uh, my hormones are actually worse. I feel worse. Um, I think I'm leptin resistant. I'm like, yeah, you, if you have 20 pounds or more um, on your body, you are, uh, and you can't lose it. It's just not budging. You're likely leptin resistant. And I also have a leptin resistance um, quiz in my bio too, if you're like, am I leptin resistant? Um, but essentially, again, I've kind of mentioned a lot of these symptoms. And if you guys have questions, throw them into the chat um, here and I'll see if I can, oh, there, there's a ton of questions. I'm sorry, I haven't been scrolling. Uh, does exercise help along with working on circadian stuff? Yes, yeah, so I like for the first um, month or so, I'm sorry, you guys have been asking questions. I will answer these. For the first month or so, I want people to really keep their stress low. So if you're doing a 5 a.m. fasted workout every day and you're leptin resistant, you're gonna worsen the situation because that's gonna make your cortisol way too high. So the, the hormones that I'm really concerned with are cortisol, leptin, and melatonin. These are your master circadian signaling hormones. Or, or melatonin's not necessarily signaling, but it's a master hormone that's really, really vital for repair processes, for leptin to dock to the hypothalamus. So 
I like people walking outside, doing a little bit more low key. When they start becoming more left and sensitive, when they start to be able to rely on their appetite, their sleep improves. Usually people, their sleep improves first. Then we can start playing around with exercise, lifting weights, and maybe throwing in some high intensity interval training, that sort of thing. Um, is there a best time of day to exercise for hormone health? I mean, with exercise, it's like one of those things like I want people moving, right? So walking during UVA rise is like the best time that you can be outside possible. Sunrise, get out there, sit for a minute. UVA rise because there's so much hormone magic that happens during that time. If you can walk during UVA, so, so good for you. Um, we have weights and, you know, we're in Georgia, so it's maybe like 40 degrees here. It's not like warm, but I could put on some long sleeves, go outside barefoot and do a weights workout. So that's a great, that's a great, great strategy there. Um, Dr. Cruz says early afternoon, like four or 5 PM, a lot of people are working during that time. So I, I like to just say movement is better than not, um, walking. And when you are ready to add those weights in. I just really don't like people doing a fasted 5 a.m. morning workout. Like the most important thing for getting your hormones balanced, most people with a leptin issue also have a cortisol issue. Not, not everybody, not everybody, but a lot, a lot of people do. And so morning time should be as restorative as you can do it. I know people have kids and they've got families and jobs. And so that's where we utilize things like blue blockers, utilize things like special light bulbs, um, you know, the, keeping that morning a little bit more restorative and then reserving the exercise for maybe your lunch period or when you do get off of work. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be different for everybody, but I just, for most people that have a hormone imbalance, if you have leptin resistance, I'm going to recommend that you don't do the 5am fasted workout, especially under blue lights at the gym, because remember blue light is a signal for your body to make cortisol, right? It, it, it does. So staring at your phone screen, turning on all the overhead lights, your body's like, Oh wait, it's, it's the middle of the day. I gotta, I gotta catch up. Right. And so if you're going to the gym at 5am, not only doing this workout fasted is creating is making your cortisol rise rapidly, but those blue lights overhead is also going to make your cortisol rise rapidly. Um, what if you can't get outside for sunrise, but you can get out at nine or 10 AM? can you open a window, right? Can, like this morning I had to take my daughter to school. The window was open, sunroof was open. Like just opening a window will give your body that signal. So, and get, get out when you can get out. But ideally you want to be outside at sunrise and again at UVA. Sunrise is but when the sun is between zero and 10 degrees. UVA, the sun is between 10 and 30 degrees. And most people don't even have UVB right now but you want that in the morning. Um, I can't sleep more than five hours no matter what. Could this be connected to leptin? Um, it, it could be, it could also be a cortisol issue, cortisol melatonin. So I definitely would recommend looking at some of the circadian stuff. I do have um, free resources on my website. I've got a 13 page ebook called Building Your Perfect Quantum Day. I also have another ebook called Shorter Days, Longer Nights that's specifically for winter. And when, you know, cause everyone's like, the sun doesn't come up till 8 a.m. I'm like, that's okay. Go check out the Shorter Days, Longer Nights guide. It's okay. Like it's, it's that way for most people right now, but there is a way we're supposed to make more melatonin in the winter. We're supposed to rest more. We're supposed to heal more. We're actually supposed to lose weight during the winter, believe it or not, um, and be more of our slimmest. But we do the opposite because we got the overhead lights on. We got the heat on. You know, I am sitting in front of my fire right now, but <laughs> we do everything super opposite and wonder why we feel like crap and get depressed in the winter. Um, Let's see, are the lifestyle and nutrient changes for leptin resistance the same as for insulin resistance? Yes, I do this. I, if someone comes to me and says I'm insulin resistant, I'm like, okay, great. You are also leptin resistant by default. Here is what I'm going to recommend for nutrition, right? We got to get your um, meal timing. Number one, circadian rhythms. Number two, meal timing. Number three, macronutrients to balance your blood sugar, all that stuff. And um, all that, again, I've got free guides that I just mentioned, and I'm having a Black Friday sale right now, lowest prices of the year on all my courses. They're range in price from $40 all the way up, so affordable stuff for everyone. 
Um, course for busy moms that have kids and babies that wake them up all night, inspired by the fact that I have a 13-month-old son. Um, a course called Circadian Health for the Busy Person that even includes something like if you live in like Norway or way, way up in Canada where you have really, really short days right now. Um, so all kinds of stuff. Um, let's see. If you're still waking up two times a night, um, and I don't know which leptin class you took because I did put out a very inexpensive one that was a broad overview. Um, but if you take my 21-day leptin course, you get a month of my private membership group because I like people to be able to ask questions and get extra help because I can't help you. I don't know if you just say, I took your class and now I'm still waking up two times a night. I can't ask you, what's your routine? What's your diet? What's your stressors? What's your, you know, like there's a lot of questions I would ask with that. Um, so that's why if you get that, the, the leptin course or the nutrition course or any of the bundles, you get a free month in my private membership group. And we have two Zoom meetings per week, sometimes three that are in the group. I'm in the opportunity for you to ask questions every single day. So that would be something, um, and I, you can join that group. It's 20 bucks a month. Um, but you get a free month if you buy the programs. But if you ever just want to join the group and learn, um, that's also linked in my bio. When is UVA, UVA light during the day? It's all it's like pretty much all day for most people right now. But the UVA that's important is the UVA that happens right after sunrise, right? So there's that window you really want to hit right after sunrise. And that's when the sun is like 10, you know, 11, 12, 13, you know, 10 and 20 degrees I say is really really good because I'm in Georgia we do have UVB right now which is the wavelength that synthesizes vitamin D a lot of people that are north of here don't have UVB they just have UVA all day but for hormone purposes and hormone balance sunrise and UVA those two windows are super super important and how do you know the degree or the angle of the Sun is the D minder app and I have links to that in my free guide to building your perfect quantum day, as well as in all my courses. But if you're like, I just want something free, Sarah, that free ebook is going to give you the links to these um, apps and all these other things. Um, let's see. If leptin resistance precedes insulin resistance, then insulin resistance would need to be addressed prior to being able to fix leptin resistance. No, I mean, it's that you can address them. I like to address insulin resistance the same way that I address leptin resistance. My point is, if you look at a lot of the information out there for insulin resistance, they're going to recommend, you know, skipping breakfast and having the coffee for breakfast and doing a lot of things that can actually worsen leptin resistance. You can, you know, get to the point where you do fast, but when I have people fast, I'm making sure that their sleep is really good. They've been doing the leptin protocols at least six to eight weeks. Um, Again, they're eating breakfast, protein and fat, blood sugar is stable, sleep is good, and then we're skipping dinner, right? Um, if we're doing like a 24-hour fast, it's a breakfast-to-breakfast -breakfast fast, and we're not doing it every day. Like we're not, we're not, there's no reason for um, being extreme. Let's see, it's crazy. Yeah, that's, <laughs> she says it's crazy. I just read the Leptin Boost Diet by Scott Isaacs and no mention of light exposure or circadian rhythms. Like how can you talk about, I mean, here's the thing. Most people in the functional medicine world don't talk about circadian rhythms, or I've seen some of them that are like, oh, in the morning, go to your window and make sure, open your blinds. And I'm like, no, that's not gonna give you the circadian signal because windows block red, they block near infrared, they block really important wavelengths of light that your eyes need to see to turn on the HPA, HBG axes. So yeah, the, a lot of the hormone information it doesn't talk about circadian rhythms and it's like super foundational and again I didn't believe it I didn't think it was true I was like just give me the diet I want to just do the diet like I'll, give me the meal plan and the exercise plan I'll, I'll do that and I made some progress but then it halted right it halted I started gaining weight I'm like what am I gaining weight? I'm doing all this fasting. I'm doing all this like activity. Like what's happening? You know, as a 40 year old woman trying to do all this crazy fasting and stressful stuff to her body, wondering why I'm gaining weight because my body is getting more and more inflamed from the cortisol. It started to create a major cortisol issue. 
um, what changed in my life at 40 that this was happening with weight loss issues. I mean, that's what I just explained. Essentially, it was just like I was when you get into the perimenopause stage, what ends up happening when we all, we're all you know women like we want to escape aging, we want to do everything we can to reverse age. Or, every woman, biological woman, will go through perimenopause and menopause. Your ovaries will stop doing all the work and your adrenals are gonna start taking over. So when this happens in this stage, that's why women are much more um, sensitive after 35 to stress, to cortisol issues because of the fact that your adrenals are really starting to take over a lot of the work here. Um, if you push your body too hard, like I was doing too much restriction, too much fasting, too much activity, because I was like, I gotta lose this extra weight. I keep gaining weight, like this is so frustrating, right? Um, and I was just like, I just gotta do this harder. And this is most of the women that come to me are in this boat. Um, it's like your, your cortisol is gonna get totally whacked out, right? So that's just a normal thing. Um, and yeah, I do have a, a pretty semi-stressful life over here. That's another conversation. Uh, what's a realistic amount of time it would take to correct leptin resistant? I am caught in the functional testing supplement realm, but it makes me feel like I have some plan slash control. I mean, looking at numbers on paper, yeah, it can make you feel like you're doing something. I did that with my fertility um, journey. <laughs> I like a stack of labs like this. At the end of the day, like, oh, this number's a little low. This one's a little low. Here's a supplement to bring that up. Here's a That's not how hormones work. You don't pour in supplements to bring up hormone levels. Um, you know, you can use some adaptogens and things like that if you have cortisol issues at specific times of the day, but that's, again, still not gonna fix the root cause, right, which is a signaling issue. And so, typically, um, it just depends on the situation that you were in, realistically. For me, when I got very serious about the leptin protocols, it took me about the first month, I didn't lose any weight, but my sleep improved, my energy improved. I felt, I was like, whoa, I feel so good, right? So the first 30 days, didn't lose weight, but got better sleep, better energy, better appetite. Like I could actually be like, oh, I am actually hungry. Oh, I'm actually not hungry. Like, you know, it was, it's, it fixed that way. And then month two, for me, I dropped 30 pounds, like just dropped it. And I was not trying to lose weight because my goal was pregnancy, but I ended up losing the 30 pounds. And so for me, you know, with the health history of a early 40s woman, it took about eight weeks. For some people, shorter. For some people, longer. Um, so it, it's different for each person, and that's why with my 21-day course, which again is 30% off right now for Black Friday, there's a link in my bio, I have the membership group so people can ask questions and they can get feedback. Like if you're like, oh, I'm still having an issue where I'm waking up at night, okay, let's talk about it right let's let's talk about it because if you're saying i'm doing your leptin protocol okay well let's talk let's go through your day let's actually talk about it because there might be something you're missing that you're not doing or something that you're doing that maybe we could stop doing that's not helpful um so yeah and how long did it take me to get and stay pregnant after starting the circadian program so again um i started in uh September really got really really strict with it and September and October and then I got pregnant that January um, I was also doing you know started in October so September I didn't do anything crazy with exercise or fasting really October is when I started doing the cold plunging um, not every day like specifically for my hormones and I probably could have gotten pregnant sooner November or December however I was cold plunging the whole month and what I did not know is that you don't wanna, if you're trying to get pregnant, you don't wanna cold plunge in the two week wait, in the, in the time window between ovulation um, and, and waiting to see if you're pregnant because that can elevate uh, white blood cells and it can actually make the embryo not implant. So I might've been able to get pregnant sooner, but literally it was September, October that I was very strict. I was strict again, November, December, but got pregnant that January. Um, if you're working 12-hour shifts in the ICU, how can I adapt with circadian rhythms? Is red light therapy okay? Red light therapy is going to be very helpful. I just did a podcast with Dr. Max Gulhane, um, G-U-H-L-H-A-N-E. I think I probably just misspelled that, but 
Max Goulhane is going to be my podcast. Actually, tomorrow that episode will come out. So go to my bio and subscribe to my podcast. He is a doctor who actually started noticing that a lot of the other doctors and nurses in the hospital were starting to become as unhealthy as the patients because of this circadian environment. Um, Max has really been putting out a lot of work to help doctors and nurses in this situation. And my circadian health for the busy person course is the course that I created for the shift workers. It gives them strategies. So you can use strategies like meal timing. And Max and I talk about this in the podcast that's coming out tomorrow. But um, meal timing, uh, cold, warm, like the temperature cues. Um, so light is the primary driver of circadian rhythm. But eating is a zeitgeber, it's a secondary signal. Uh, temperature is a secondary signal, so you can strategically use cold and warm. Things like blue blockers are helpful. Um, doing a little bit of fasting, you gotta build up to that, but that can be helpful. But I have had a lot of nurses, um, night shift nurses and doctors that have done my circadian health for the busy person course, and they are doing so much better. Because it's, I mean, I'll be honest, I had a, week in August where my daughter was in the ICU and we've had actually three hospital stays this year that's a whole other at some point I'm gonna just tell all of you guys what's been going on in my life the last year it's been insane but this year we've been in the hospital a lot and my heart has just been like out for these hospital workers that I'm like looking around and I'm just like they are not well and they are we need these people to care for the sick you know we would have been in so much trouble without these amazing amazing nurses um it's the nurses that you know there's we had some good doctors too but it was it was a lot of the nurses were just fabulous and i just my heart went out to them and i want to like buy them all blue blockers but i'm like they're all gonna think i'm insane so i'm just attraction not promotion right um but there, there, is, there are some things you can do, sorry for my long tangent, it's just my heart really goes out to these people who are um, in, in a, I call it a service position, and their health is really being compromised because of what they're doing. Um, yeah, I know, those, those fluorescent lights in the hospital are something awful. Um, they really, really, really are. Yes, and I'm gonna save this live, I'll keep it here, and I will also post it on my YouTube channel um high cortisol has caused yeah so really getting the um you know cortisol melatonin leptin those are the three master hormones that i work on uh that getting those back and it doesn't involve a bunch of supplements it doesn't involve um doesn't involve all that stuff right i i if you want to do that down the road cool but i never have people say hey come take my program and then i want you to buy these like 50 supplements because the supplement stuff never did anything for me, and it hasn't done anything for lots of my, my clients. Um, let's see, are tooth issues an issue? I mean, they can be, but um, that's not really my area of expertise. Um, fasting for lymph, lymph nodes, um, I mean, that's again, not really an expertise area of mine. Um, love lymph, lymph club, I think she's got a great page on lymphatic drainage. I think I should have her on my podcast. Um, Ideal diet and how long do you need to eat before a morning workout? So ideal diet is going to be a little different for everybody. However, I have some, you know, basics that I go over. Um, more detail, food lists, all that in the program, but bioavailable protein. So Google bioavailable protein, because everyone's like, what is that? Is protein that your body can absorb and use, right? Every morning you need most people, depending on your weight and your height, between you know 20 and 30 grams men you need more men probably need more like 40 50 grams and to balance that out with fat and so what that will look like for a lot of people is you know having uh, leftover dinner something savory something that's going to to stabilize your blood sugar right the the diet that you eat should stabilize your blood sugar ideal diet is also going to be local and seasonal which for some people, if you live in Canada, you're like, oh, there nothing is in season right now. That's where we kind of look at some of the seller stable uh, produce, things like that, if you do choose to eat those. Um, ferments, canned foods, those things. So ideal diet, you know, you're not, no, uh, no banana fruit smoothies in the middle of winter time. Um, number one, that's gonna send your blood sugar on a major roller coaster, which is gonna really impact your energy, your cortisol for the rest of the day. And um, 
then we really want to have that bioavailable protein at each meal. Um, three meals, I think, is great. Some people, when they have an appetite correction, they might go down to two. They might do a breakfast, because a breakfast is a non-negotiable, but they might do a breakfast and like an early dinner. I see that a lot, if they're trying to lose a lot of weight, right? Um, and it's not required. I'm like, wait until your appetite does some correction. Give it some time because it will if you do these things. The circadian piece is really huge and very important. It's foundational. But then also the, the stuff with the food is very, very important. Um, how long do you eat? You know, I have people that are like, I'm, I have to do my morning workout. And I'm like, well, have a couple hard boiled eggs. Have something. Give your body a signal. Um, and I, I mean, it's just what's your comfort level? Are you gonna, if you eat a couple of hard boiled eggs before you work out, are you gonna throw up? Are you gonna feel terrible? You know, maybe half an hour or so. Um, and uh, yeah, the three meals a day, I answered that one. I have no cortisol and melatonin. Will this regulate once I introduce more? So I think if you have no cortisol and melatonin, definitely if you're, you're, I'm assuming you're working with a practitioner that's told you that, that you've been tested with that. So I would continue working with that person more than likely. But I have seen a lot of people with flatlined cortisol and no melatonin implement a lot of these circadian strategies and their body can begin to endogenously, endogenously make it. Um, no promises, but I have seen that. And I always tell people like, don't come to my, my programs and say, I'm just gonna quit taking my medication and quit taking all these things. If you're on a bunch of supplements, don't just like go off of them because you're doing the program. You want to come down slow, right? Take out take out one thing per week and see how you feel. Um, so yeah, and nothing is medical advice. Is sunset as important? Not necessarily as important. If you if you have to prioritize outdoor time, it's always going to be sunrise and UVA. But there are some great benefits to sunset. Um, it is that signal for your body to start, you know, slowing down your cortisol start turning on melatonin things to just you know get into that more restorative mode and there have been some studies that actually show um, if you do view sunset that low angle sun there will be less of an impact if somebody turns on a big nasty blue overhead light um, is going to be less disruptive now that doesn't mean go hang out with the lights on and the tv on just because you watch sunset that's still going to mess you up but what I'm saying is if there's like some flashes of light or it's, you know, it just happens, it's not gonna be as jarring to your system. That's what the studies have shown. Let's see, the circadian rhythm app. Yeah, the circadian life app is really, really great. Um, what will make your cortisol rise rapidly? I mean, lots of things, but it's mostly stress. Like, so think about what stress, right? The, the fasted workouts, um, drinking coffee before your food, um, turning on a bunch of overhead lights, right? Um, that's, that's the main thing that a lot of people are doing is they wake up and they look straight at their phone, which is, is 5,700 to 6,000 Kelvin. That is a measure of intensity. So it's like, hey, 6,000 Kelvins, you know, what's outside at sunrise is around 1,300 Kelvins, right? 1,300, 1,600 Kelvins. So brain go outside, see 1300, 1600 Kelvins, make that amount of cortisol blended with that red light as well. So there's just a nice like um, impact that happens or turn on an overhead light or look at your phone, 6,000 Kelvins, boom, cortisol. So it's, um, yeah, let's see. Can I do a fasted infrared sauna session with red light in the morning? That's my normal routine right now. Um, so, I mean, it, this is my question for everyone who asks me things like that. How messed up is your cortisol, right? How messed, how messed up is your leptin? Are you leptin resistant? Because some, someone might be super leptin sensitive, muscle healthy, metabolically healthy, and that sunrise, you know, doing the, um, the sauna and red light therapy, fine, you know, totally, totally fine. Um, but if you're really, really imbalanced with your hormones, I would back out of that and, and do some of the leptin protocols for a little bit and then slowly try to add that back in and see if there's an impact. So that's my answer to most people, which they don't like, because they're like, well, 5 a.m. literally the only time I can work out is 5 a.m. I'm not willing to give that up. And I'm like, well, you're telling me that you have 30 extra pounds you can't lose and your sleep is shit, excuse my language. So I'm gonna tell you to stop doing the 5 a.m. workout for six weeks, a month to six weeks, do these protocols. 
see if your sleep improves and if some of that weight starts to let go. Nine times out of 10, it will and it does, and there's some hormone correction, right? Um, but if you are like, I have to do this, you know, I can't take a month or six weeks off, I can't, you know, it's just my time, I'm like, okay. I'm just, you know, putting the information out there, letting you know how this works. Let's see, so UVA, again, if you go to my free guide to building your perfect quantum day, which is a free guide in my bio, um, that's when you can find it. Because UVA is different in Georgia. Sorry, there's people coming in on my house and there's an alarm going off. Um, UVA is going to be different for me than it is for somebody, um, you know, six hours north of here. It's, it is different. And it's, you know, we actually get the same amount of sun wherever we stand on the earth. But the further north you go, um, it shifts, right? So if I was like in, on, the, on the equator, my days and nights are gonna be 12 hours, 12 hours. Here where I am in Georgia, you know, it gets dark here at 5.30 and the sun doesn't come up till 7.30 a.m. right now. In the summertime, it comes up at 6.30. So it's always constantly shifting and it depends on where you are on the planet. So um, UVA is gonna be different for you than it is for me. So use those apps, either the D-Minder app or the Circadian Life app. Both of those are linked in my free guide. Um, let's see, I always thought we were supposed to gain weight when it's colder because <laughs> to add some fat for warmth makes sense to me, but you're saying it's not true. No, we're supposed to gain weight. Think about when the harvest is. When is the harvest, right? It's late summer, like September, you know, around that time is when all the stuff, all the harvest is happening. We're supposed to eat that stuff, store it up. In the winter time, there's more darkness. We're supposed to make more melatonin. Um, we want to preserve our vitamin D stores. We do that by keeping our stress a little bit lower and we sleep more. So winter is this time of restoration, of healing. That was actually the time that I was able to heal my body and get pregnant um, was winter time. A lot of people were like, no, you're not going to be able to do it. You need the sun. You need," And I'm like, no, I can heal during winter time. I can use the advantage of darkness and cold to heal my body. And I ended up also losing 30 pounds um, before getting pregnant. But yes, if you like literally think about it, 300 years ago, you know, or more, we wouldn't have had the grocery stores, we would have had um, the artificial lights, the heat, all that stuff. And so our bodies would have been different metabolically um, during the winter. And they are different metabolically in the winter than they are in the summer. There's a plethora of studies that show hormone function and thyroid function and gut microbiome are drastically different in the summer than they are in the winter. So our bodies are these like amazing seasonal. Um, they're circadian and they're circannual. There's a rhythm that we are supposed to follow. So thoughts on carbs in the winter, been keto, mostly carnivore, probably too long, low T3, yep. And B12 too high, thinking I need to put carbs back in, but it's also winter. So I have a, a strategic plan for this um, in my nutrition course, as well as in the leptin reset for people who have been carnivore and keto for a long time, because it's not like you want to just go, because when people think of carb cycling, they're like, oh, I'm just going to go and eat a bunch of ice cream and cookies and cakes or whatever. Um, it's or pizza. When I have somebody that's been long-term keto or carnivore, and this is what I had to do because I had been uh, carnivore strictly for two years, I had to get local seasonal and I had to go slowly. So it was like one, uh, you know, baked potato with lunch. So you want to do it in the middle of the day and you slowly do that. And you do that maybe one or two days a week. You don't have to do it all the time. Um, and again, there's, there's a, there's a strategic way to do this. And, and I, you know, I'm going to get in trouble with the, the carnivore keto police. I don't like anyone, unless you have a medical condition, I don't like anyone being keto or carnivore 365 days a year, especially women. I think that, you know, the carb cycling a couple days a week is really, really beneficial and helpful um, for weight loss, for metabolic flexibility, uh, for thyroid health, all of that stuff. So yeah, would contact lenses affect morning sunlight absorption? Unfortunately, yes, um, they do. Uh, so Dailies, I think, is a brand that blocks less of the UV. I have a lot of my contact lens wearers, like, just don't put them in until after they've seen that morning light. Have your glasses on, go sit down, like, don't walk around if you're blind as a bat, like, be careful. <laughs> but yeah, they, unfortunately, they will, just like windows. Um, yes, exactly, exactly. Um, 
how do you deal with long flights? What do you eat? I fast. Um, I fast on flights. I haven't flown anywhere in a while, but when I did fly to Bali, I went, um, I did a 36 hour uh, fast because it was a 24 hour flight. So if you can fast on, um, on flights, then uh, do that. That's going to be the best thing for you. And someone says this, this is like information overload. So if you're like, what the, where the heck do I start with all this? This is like so much. I want to understand it. Go to my free resources. Free, the, the, the guide to building your perfect quantum day. Makes it super simple. I also have podcasts, YouTube channel. Um, and then again, all my courses right now are on sale up to 60% off for Black Friday. I'm going to extend that sale just, just like a couple more days because um, I know a lot of people were inundated with sales. So I'm going to leave it open a couple more days. Um, yes. Castor oil help. I would look at Queen of Thrones. Let's see any more. What is my diet like now? Um, again, so it's local, seasonal. I always have that non-negotiable breakfast. Um, usually it's like breakfast sausage, uh, sometimes leftover dinner, like hamburger, just some kind of fat and protein to start my day. That's non-negotiable every single day. Um, and then depending on you know the time of year, if it's summertime, I will maybe have some seasonal fruit at the end of my year, end of my meal in the middle of the day. Um, a couple days a week I might have uh, root vegetables, potatoes in the winter time. So it's still very largely animal based. I still eat a ton of wild seafood five, six days a week. Um, spoonfuls of salmon roe regularly. So yeah. Let's see. Yeah. And the thing is like, yes, yeah, she says my sister is 44 and has been having fertility troubles been trying for the past few years doing IVF. I try to educate her on the importance of this work in the functional space, but she continues to try IVF. IVF is like just, it, do, it doesn't fix the problem because what people don't understand about IVF is not a sure thing. If your mitochondria is not healthy, you're not gonna make a healthy egg and you're not gonna get a healthy embryo. Like even if you're trying to bioengineer it through a lab, if your mitochondria is not healthy, it, the raw materials are not there. And so this is why that hormone signaling Getting leptin in a good place and really caring for your mitochondria is vital if you are, I mean, with any aging issue at all, but for fertility especially. Um, is almond flour bad on keto? I don't really love it, to be honest, because we never really would have you know, ground up a bunch of nuts and created food out of them. Like, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense, and it can cause a lot of gut issues for people. Parasite and heavy metal cleansing protocols. So... Um, I am doing Dr. Tom Cowan's new biology clinic certification right now. And here's the thing. Um, it is a problem with the organism, right? I'm not now Cowan has a kind of like different take on these things. Um, it's a problem with the organism. The organism is not robust. The mitochondria is not robust. And so you can do a cleanse and a protocol and a detox and that stuff's just going to come back unless you fix the robustness of that organism. And, and so that's a really long, long conversation. But I've seen people get sick and have worse issues from doing all these detox and cleanse protocols. So yeah, I always work on your mitochondria and opening the drainage pathways first. Um, what are my thoughts on Ray Pete's philosophy of diet? I think Ray Pete is a brilliant man, but I very much disagree with all the sugar, uh, especially in the winter time maybe in the summertime when it's available and growing, but it does not make sense in the winter time. Um, that's just me, that's my opinion. It's also circadian biology and the way our food <laughs> has been grown and, and, and is supposed to be. Um, what about sitting outside in the cold during sunrise? That's what I do every morning. If you can do it, do it, it's fantastic. You get your cold thermogenesis and you get your light exposure. Uh, my brother is a nurse. He says all of the nurses have health issues. It's so sad. Oh, I hate that. Um, let's see. Yeah. Changing the lighting in hospitals would be so helpful. I believe, yes, I'm 100% aboard. And yes, I am a nutritionist. Um, yeah, you know, anytime I uh, go to the hospital, I'm always wearing the blue blockers. Let's see. I'm going to get off here soon. Um, did I say, will sitting outside in the cold for 10 minutes in the morning while watching the sunrise keep you from getting pregnant? No, I don't think so. 
what's, what you don't want to do if you're trying to get pregnant is not cold plunge, immerse your body in cold freezing water the last two weeks of your cycle while you're waiting, in your two-week wait. Um, you know, if you're very sensitive and you have a lot of hormone imbalance, you don't want to get freezing cold all the time. You want to keep yourself warm. But sitting outside looking at the sunrise is could actually really help you get pregnant, in my personal opinion. Um, so cold in the morning, warm in the evening. Someone wants to know about using um, temperature as a circadian signal with Zeitgeber. Cold in the morning, warm in the evening. So a nice warm bath is going to give you lots of infrared, cool down your core body temperature. In the morning, cold signal tells your body, wake up, um, helps your body temperature actually go up. Believe it or not, cold therapy does help your body temperature rise. Let's see, does my program help with postmenopause? Absolutely. I have had um, a lot of women in menopause, and a lot of women in my private group are in menopause that, you know, and I did an episode with my friend Janet, who did my group um, and my program, that she was suffering with hot flashes and just driving her crazy, did the stuff in the leptin reset, and really did it, because she, in our, in our interview, she's like, I was really resistant to doing these two things, and you kept telling me I had to do them. And so when I finally did these things that you said to do, hot flashes were gone within just a couple of weeks. So I do have a lot of women um, post-menopause, women in their 70s that have done the program and they're losing weight, feeling better, sleeping. The biggest thing is the sleep, you know, because that's what happens as women get older. It's harder to sleep. Um, is it possible to correct leptin, cortisol, melatonin while on stimulants for ADD? I mean... These circadian principles, the stuff that I talk about, is going to help everyone, regardless of what medication you're on, supplements you're on. Biologically, they will help everyone. Um, I can't promise cures or anything like that, but I can like, very confidently say that they will help everyone. Let's see. Yeah, someone said they've always gained weight in the summer and lost weight in the winter and thought it was weird. No, that's how it's kind of supposed to be. Um, if I had LASIK a few years ago, would that affect my sensitivity to light? There are a couple issues with that, but you also have photoreceptors on your skin. So there, there's that backup mechanism as well. Let's see. Why should we be fasting on long flights? Because you're typically switching time zones and there's going to be a big circadian shift and food is a circadian signaler. So you want to try to reset your gut when, you move, when you're going to a new time zone. Um, and sync up to that new location. And so fasting really helps that. And also you're on an airplane, which is like a big EMF like microwave and your body is less able to digest food. Your mitochondria is undergoing a lot of stress. And so fasting can actually help with that. Um, let's see. How often is a cold plunge? Sorry, I'm not getting all these and I do have to go soon, um, but how often is a cold plunge needed? That's going to be different for everyone. So I do have a cold therapy course that is on sale in my Black Friday deals. But, um, you know, it's different for everyone. For me, when I started cold plunging, I loved it and I want to do it every day because I'm, that's me. It has to be every day, has to be really hard or it's not actually working. And so a cold plunge, you know, for me doing it every single day actually caused my hormones to tank issue right not not good for fertility so what i found for me is that three days a week and keeping it short between three and five minutes was like magic was perfect was all that i needed i didn't need to do this long 20 minute freezing cold plunge five days a week it was three to five minutes three days a week um i've had a lot of stress in my life lately so i'm more like you know once a week once every couple weeks i still try to do it but it all depends on your stress levels your health, uh, your hormone situation, all that stuff. And I kind of do talk through that in my cold therapy course, but just know that more is not always better. Um, just like with fasting and cold and all these things, more is not always better. Um, does semiglutide help with this? Um, you know, I might have Dr. Tina on. She is, has been talking about that a lot on her channel. I wouldn't do it as a first line of defense, honestly. I wouldn't jump on the peptides and injections train as a first line of defense. Um, I would do this basic stuff that's pretty much free before making that investment. But go to Dr. Tina's page, T-Y-N-A. She's done a lot of great talks about semiglutide, and I would rather 
it be as um, an injection. Oh, Lord, there's a lot of comments. I don't think I'm going to get to all these. Um, let's see. What's my YouTube channel? Just go to my YouTube and type in Sarah Kleiner Wellness. Go to YouTube and type in Sarah Kleiner Wellness, and the, my channel will come up. What's the best time for grounding? Anytime you can do it. I mean, honestly, anytime you can do grounding is great. There's less uh, radiation, you know, from the sun at sunrise and sunset. So supposedly there's a bit more magnetism during those times. But anytime you can ground is going to be helpful. Um, what if I can't see the sunrise until at least 20 degrees because of the mountains? It's fine. Just being outside is plenty. And I do have an FAQ guide. So if you go to my website, www.sarahkleinerwellness, I have a free guide called the FAQ guide, which answers a lot of these questions about the sun being blocked by mountains and trees and buildings and um, all that. You just go outside. The signal is still there. Even if you can't actually see the sun coming up, you're still getting the, um, the signal. Do I trust grounding shoes? Some brands, the Harmony 783 and um, Bahe, absolutely. Let's see, oh, thank you. It says you're doing amazing work. Thank you for sharing on this platform. No one else is talking about leptin issues. Thank you on this level. Um, are protein powders bad for you? I'm not a huge fan of them, honestly, because a lot of them are really high in deuterium, which is another whole other topic. But um, I prefer real whole foods as much as you can. Now, if you're like, I cannot eat breakfast, I just can't do it. Um, there are a couple brands that I think are okay, but I don't like it as a long-term thing. I'd rather people eat um, a 24-hour, oh, 24-hour shifts. That's really hard. Yeah. That would be something where I would have to, like, work one-on-one -on -one with somebody. Um, what about if you're breastfeeding and travel on an airplane? Breastfeeding is, like, a whole different metabolic state because I have been doing that. So um, I haven't done any traveling since I had my son. Um, so yeah, no, I don't recommend fasting if you're breastfeeding um, on the whole, honestly. I don't recommend doing a lot of fasting, period. Let's see, okay. I've been on carnivore keto for about two years, now I'm gaining, and yes. So that, I mean, that literally that happens all the time for women, not so much for men, but sometimes it does. I've had it my fair share of men, but if you're, and it's not that carnivore and keto are bad, they are fantastic, um, can be really, really helpful. It's just that they should not ever really be done unless you have a medical condition, like 365 days a year. There, you can you have to be strategic about it, and you got to become metabolically flexible. I think some people are going to be like blasphemy, um, but just from what I've seen clinically, working with people in nutrition and working with people in the phase of, of leptin, it's important to build that flexibility. But you've got to be careful if you've been carnivore keto for a really long time. To be strategic about this, like I said, you're not going to the local bakery and loading up on muffins, you know. <laughs> yes. Um, let's see. Is weight gain while breastfeeding a leptin issue? I mean, honestly, uh, like I said, breastfeeding is just like a whole other animal, and you got to give yourself grace. I've been able to lose the weight while um, breastfeeding. And, but I've been on my leptin protocol since before pregnancy, during pregnancy, after the first trimester, because first trimester was a complete bleep show. Like I felt terrible and was eating, I had to snack or I was nauseous. Um, so a lot of women will message me like, I'm pregnant, I'm in my first trimester, I feel terrible. And I'm like, look, do what you gotta do. Eat enough protein, get rest, but literally do not, don't stress, right? Don't, don't stress, please. You're gonna pass this little short time period. Most people are gonna feel better in the second trimester. So I did my leptin protocol to get pregnant. I did it during pregnancy. And as soon as my son was born, I was doing it post-pregnancy. And I've been able to, I'm actually a little bit less than I was pre-pregnancy as far as weight-wise. And I'm 44, so people say you can't lose weight after 40. I think that's a bunch of BS. You absolutely can. You just have to be strategic about it. All right, my friends, I am going to go. I think that's all the questions, and um, I hope this was helpful. I am going to post this on YouTube, um, and also, if you're still watching and you want to dive deeper into some of this, my Black Friday sale is going on for a couple more days, so that is linked up in my bio, and if you're on YouTube, it's linked in the pinned comment. All right, everyone, happy holidays, and um, talk again soon. Thank you for watching. Thanks for being here.